Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Hi, this is September McCarthy, and with me are my friends Kate Battistelli and Jamie Erickson. I have learned after years of mothering, there is no greater gift than we can give to our children than to hide God's word in their heart. And I think most of you would agree that motherhood is this wide open invitation to living a life led and loved by Jesus. When we really think about it, we are the walking and talking examples of God's love that they will remember. And so today we want to talk about the biggest obstacles that we as moms are intimidated when it comes to teaching our kids about Jesus. For me, I think it was time and knowledge. But when you really think about it, God's word, it's not intimidating. It's really our fear of bringing it alive that stalls us. So today we want to talk about the how and the when and what it looks like every single day in teaching our kids about Jesus. You know, I always find great encouragement when someone else has blazed a trail of trial and error before me. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to give you some starting points and some ideas. So Kate, let's talk about that first step on helping moms, how we came from feeling fear and teaching our kids about Jesus and not making it intimidating. So what did we do? What are those beginning habits of teaching our kids? Well, for me, one vivid memory of my childhood is how my grandfather would read the Bible stories to us out loud when we were kids, and he really made them come alive. So it, it, it made it, it just kind of drew us in. And when our daughter Franny was little, we had a copy of the child's story Bible, which probably every, pretty much every house has. And we'd read that at night. Church was a regular part of our lives. And because we homeschooled her early on, it was simple to weave scripture and Bible stories into our everyday lives. And we took time to pray at night before bed and set the example of doing devotions in the morning. So when Franny became a teen, she'd join me and do her own devotions. And that was a precious time. So I would recommend starting out with a, get a good children's Bible, get them excited about the stories they're going to discover. The other thing that I recommend is actually setting the example of what you read in scripture be the attributes you want your children to see. Model Christian behavior and they'll pick it up. You know, they say that values are caught, not taught. And I believe the same can be said for teaching your children about Jesus. And it might sound trite today, but asking your kids, what would Jesus do in any particular situation will get them thinking with a Christian worldview rather than today's modern ungodly worldview. It's always interesting to see how different families begin their conversation about God in their homes. I did not grow up in a Christian home, and I didn't have an example of what devotions and what it meant to live out a Jesus way of life in my home looked like. And so for me, I really had to dive into the word myself and know who God was. I had to understand who he was and teach that to my children. And so I created my own version of what devotions would look like. So I just picked up my Bible and I had my kids gather around me in the living room. And that's how I began teaching my kids about Jesus. For us, I think when I had um, little ones early on, I did exactly what Kate was talking about. And I got the 
early picture storybook Bible, and we would sit down together each morning and we'd read a story and we'd sing some songs. And I even started them memorizing very basic scriptures. I remember even my 15-year-old daughter, I have videos of her um, saying in her little toddler voice, God detests lying lips, um, because that was what she could memorize. And, and so I don't think they're ever too young to start the habit of daily devotions, but I found that we were getting into this daily liturgy. It was becoming such a habit that some of the personal side of Jesus wasn't there. And so we continue to do daily devotions, but I think it was then when it became such a liturgy that my husband and I began to look for ways throughout the day when we can could make the truths that we were telling our kids very applicable and so they wouldn't just see that this is a black and white word on a page that this was real life and that jesus was in their everyday moments um and i actually think that 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 is when you see the deepest fruit. You can't always tack a pretty system onto soul work. And I feel like I was getting into a habit of just trying to have a, a list of boxes to check and say, oh, yep, I did that. Um, I read that verse with my kids. I read that Bible story. So they must be good moving on. And so I know for us, I just had to bring our faith into the everyday of our lives. I think that is so key when it comes to owning our faith as a family. A lot of times we fall into the trap or maybe the thought, an idea that the church or the youth group or someone who, who may be mentoring our child or their teachers, it falls on them as their role and responsibility. And we just want this whole episode to be laced with the thought and the concept that it is our faith as a family and we are we want to weave it into the DNA of our home and teaching our children about Jesus. It's not just buying a devotional book or sending our children to Sunday school, although those things are great and valuable. We just really want to hone in on the fact that the first step in teaching our children about Jesus is awareness that it's to be our job as their primary example and um filling their soul and minds with who Jesus is. And it doesn't have to be intimidating. I think that's where we get caught. And so, you know, every family is going to look different. It's going to look different for my family as it would for Kate in different seasons of life. So let's talk about how um, it might look different for Kate even now with her grandchildren and um, how we never really stop teaching um, the generations about Jesus. Amen. Um, well, we had an only child, so that would look very different from what both you, September, and you, Jamie, are doing with your families. I mean, I never had to think about teaching children of different ages. And since I didn't have boys, that made my sharing a lot different and probably a lot easier than other moms. Can I get an amen? But now that I have three grandsons, I, you know, I get it. Um, I get boys and they're, they're a challenge. They're wonderful, but oh my goodness, very different from, from girls. Um, so because I just had a girl, we didn't focus too much on the stories in the Bible about kings and rulers and battles and things like that. Um, another thing, if your children go to public or private school, it's going to look different than a family that homeschools. 
or maybe you're a single mom and that changes things completely. So the main thing, I think the one thing that I've just always tried to, to do is to model the behavior you want them to follow. Like I wrote in my first book, Growing Great Kids, what you model, they will follow. But your children have to know where you stand when it comes to following Jesus. They have to see and hear you pray for them, for others in your life. They have to see you modeling what does it look like to follow Christ and for him to be the Lord of your life. Yeah, it cannot be a checklist, Kate. It has exactly. to be style. I like that. And I actually don't think that it will look the same even within a household. I mean, it's going to obviously look different from household to household, but I know my husband and I are very, very different. We have different teaching styles and different learning styles. He is so great at telling stories, personal stories of his own, even his own failures in the faith. He can make an object lesson out of anything. He's so great at that. That's not really my gifting, but that's okay because my kids need both. I mean, I feel like I'm a really big reader and I can find really great resources for us to read together as a family that will reiterate the things that my husband and I believe and would like to introduce to our kids um, that have really deep spiritual meaning. I love music and love to incorporate worship in our time together. Um, that might not be his natural bent. So I think that the pairing, the both of us together work really well. Um, so I can't expect my husband's version, or I can't expect my husband to do, um, to lead our family in worship time exactly the way I would think it. we need to be led. That is a huge dynamic when it comes to uh, maybe something that keeps us as moms, as women, from initiating the spiritual emphasis and impact in our children daily, I think. I hear a lot from different moms that they are waiting on their husbands to be the leaders of devotions in their homes. And it sometimes will cause resentment or bitterness towards their husband if they're not being the spiritual leader in that area. And I walked that path and I learned that I ended up being a deterrent from my kids learning God's word because I let that get in the way when I was waiting on my husband to do something that was not his natural bent for him. He is not a teacher. He is a builder. He does lead his home spiritually. It just looks different than what I had expected. So sometimes our expectations can actually be um, the actual thing that keeps us from doing what we need to do to teach our kids about Jesus. And so I took that idol off my shelf and I threw it in the garbage and I picked up my Bible and I said, this is what's important. Not what I think or not what it should be or could be, but what is, and that is the truth. And so it was the Bible and me and getting down to the nitty gritty of how my children were created and um, who God is, because sometimes we don't know where to begin. And I think just with the basics, we want our children to know how much they are loved and why the gospel. Let's just give them the gospel and then show them all day long what that looks like in all situations. Hey mamas, it's Jamie here. I wanna budge in just for a minute and tell you about my new book, Homeschool Bravely, which hits shelves on April 2nd. Most moms have a lifelong relationship with self-doubt. For the homeschool mom, that burden is often magnified. Did I make the right decision? 
Could someone else do it better? Am I robbing my kids of something by not sending them to the real school down the street? But what if there's a better way of thinking? One that doesn't find you always lurking in the shadows of fear. Not a three-step technique or a shiny new curriculum, but a change in perspective that will transform the way you plan, teach, and live out each day of learning with your kids. Homeschool Bravely will help you to see homeschooling as a calling, show you how to overthrow the tyranny of impossible expectations, and guide you through some of the biggest homeschooling struggles like teaching with babies and tots in tow, helping a struggling learner, or just homeschooling through a difficult season when you don't feel equipped. Reclaim your hope, renew your purpose, and transform your homeschool. Because the truth is, God will use every part of your journey, even your fears, faults, and failures, to weave good plans for your kids. Now the book doesn't come out for a few more days, but if you pre-order now, you'll be able to grab my quick start guide to brave homeschool schedules. It's a 52-page e-guide that will help you plan each day with a successful end in mind. Don't let fear have the final say in your homeschool. Sometimes I hear from moms and they ask, you know, I'm hearing this podcast now and I love this concept, but maybe it's too late. My kids aren't little anymore. So what should I do? You know, September, I don't believe it's ever too late. Now, if you're just coming to realize maybe you've been lax in this area, well, tell your kids and ask for their forgiveness. Tell them you're going to make some changes and do life a little differently than you've been doing it. Let them see you making your relationship with Jesus a priority. Ask them for ideas as a family. What, what can you do together to change this, to make this better? Let them see you doing devotions, praying for others, going to Bible study, attending church regularly, volunteering, maybe bringing a meal to a neighbor who needs help or just had a baby. Live out the gospel in your own life and set the example that you want them to follow. Oh, and pray a lot. I mean... Prayer is going to change things more than anything that we can do. Mm -hmm. And remember that nothing is ever too far gone for God's redemptive work. So you might want to throw your hands in the air and say, well, I missed the boat and they're too old. No one is ever too old for Jesus. So like Kate was saying, just admit um, to your kids that this was not something that you prioritized even yesterday, but starting right now, today, it's going to be a priority. And it's going to feel a little bumpy and awkward at first. All first things do, but keep at it, stick with it because it's worth it. It is so worth it. And, you know, I, I want to break down the fallacy today that it doesn't have to be boring. You know, teaching our kids God's word um, does not have to be boring. And on the flip side of that, it doesn't have to be all puffed up knowledge. I think it's really important to not get caught up, like Jamie said earlier, in the rite and the ritual of, you know, doing the devotional book every single day and teaching them knowledge that has place in learning about God and in habit and routine and binding his word, you know, about our neck and on their hearts. But it's really when our kids see us take his principles from the word of God and apply them to everyday situations 
that's when they know what God's word means to them as they grow in wisdom and in stature. And so something I've tried with my kids is to teach a verse and then to teach a principle that comes from the verse. And then when we come upon opportunities through the week, whether something that happened in school or at school at home, or maybe when they go to college or when they are, have a friend over, I try to weave those principles and those verses into those situations so they can see how that applies. But I know there's so many other ideas out there on how we can live every day and show our kids Jesus. So I want to talk about those for a minute. Well, like Nike would say, just do it. I mean, start living your life as if Jesus lived in your house. What you say, what you do, what you read and watch and participate in, think about whether Jesus would be pleased. I mean, I, I always tell moms, if he picked up your phone right now and he looked at your search history or how much time you spend on social media, would he be pleased? Would he be honored? You are the best example your kids have of what a healthy relationship with Jesus looks like. So just think about those things. What are you participating in and, and thinking about? And you know what, what's in your search history? Those are important things to really think about. You know, September, you said that it doesn't always have to be boring or puffed up knowledge. And I would like to swing the pendulum on the other end of things and say that it doesn't always have to be a circus act either. I think moms can feel very burdened when they go to, let's say, Pinterest or Instagram and they see all these wonderful hands-on craft projects and activities that moms incorporate into devotions. And while that's great, please know that it doesn't have to be that way. It can just be as simple as gathering all your babies around you and opening God's word together. Um, my husband grew up in a Christian home and he credits his nightly devotions with his dad as his number one faith-forming thing in his whole life. And, and he'll be the first to admit, and my father-in-law will be the first to admit, that his devotions each night were kind of boring. He reads kind of with a flat, monotone voice, and he just read the passage or the story straight from the page. He didn't add any jazz hands. It was very mundane sometimes. But remember. Big things are really rarely birthed all at once. They're usually the product of just small daily commitments and mundane faithfulness. Um, so over time, over years and years of Bible stories at bedtime with a dad who maybe didn't have the best voice inflection or the best, you know, British accents to make the story come alive or whatever, just the mundane reading of the story my husband's faith was rooted and grounded. So I hope that's an encouragement to some moms who feel like they don't, by the end of the day, when it's time to read a Bible story, they're tired and it would be just so much easier to skip it. Just do it. Just do that simple act of reading together or whatever it is, whatever gifting you have. It doesn't have to be a three ring circus every time. I agree, Jamie. And I want to add to that, that the best audience is a captive audience and our family, our children, they are a captive audience. And so we just want to encourage you to be intentional and just seize the opportunities that you have before us. I mean, what an amazing opportunity that we have when we get up every day and there we have an audience already that is um, 
waiting to learn from us. Our children really are eager to learn from us. We just have to be willing to step into that place, you know, and we understand that it may seem daunting or intimidating at first, but it it really is those small bite-sized pieces to our everyday life that will add up to a lifetime of fruit in knowing Jesus. Girls, what is the most encouraging thing in your motherhood this week? What is encouraging you? I am just super encouraged to watch my daughter raise her children because, of course, she's grown and gone now, so I'm not actively mothering her. But to see and hear her teach them and model the right behavior just makes my heart skip a beat. Now, they're not perfect children because we all know no children are, but I see them getting it, and it really makes me happy. It's such a blessing to see your little eight-year-old grandson do something kind for his little sister or brother to see that he really is getting it. So that's exciting to me and very encouraging to see that they're following what their mom and dad are modeling. And I'm going to tell something practical. Um, what's really encouraging me in my motherhood lately is mint flavored Oreo cookies. It's just a treat that I can give myself because moms deserve treats too. Amen. Amen. Especially chocolate treats. Right. Well, I don't like Oreos. I'm sorry, Jamie, but I'm really happy that you can. I'll take yours. (laughs) Well, you know, what's been encouraging me is that I decided to invest into this next generation. And now I have daughter-in-laws and older daughters. And so I sent a group text, you know, the value of having um, an iPhone and got all my daughters together. And I said, would you be interested in doing um, a Bible study and a, and a special time once a month where we can get together? And they all agreed. And we began the first of the year and it has been the biggest blessing to me to see us all come together. I have seven daughters and then my daughter-in-laws and it is beautiful. And we're studying God's word together now in this different season of life and I'm mentoring them. And honestly, they're mentoring me. And I'm really encouraged by that because now I can see the fruit of my investment from when they were little and just, you know, sticking it out and hanging in there and, um, and filling them with the springs of living water. So that's encouraging me. I'm seeing the fruit. And that definitely trumps Oreos. You know, we realize that we cannot be everything our children will always need as moms. And that is why we want to give them Jesus. He is and always will be there for our children, even when we cannot. And that is really why we want to lead them to Jesus. But unless we give them a daily dose of that living, breathing God in their life, when the day comes that we cannot be there to fix something or help them, then we want them to know that they can call on God first, but they have to know who he is. We have listed some of our favorite and most helpful links and resources for you on teaching your kids about Jesus on our website, momtomompodcast.com. We also want to remind you that if you go and subscribe and enter your email, you will receive the free download of our 30-day prayers for your children. And we will also be featuring a special segment on our Instagram account pretty soon on how to teach your children about Jesus. So stay tuned.